Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton, and this is The Detail. 685. That's the number of people who killed themselves in New Zealand in the year to June. The figure is nearly twice the road toll. Today, the Suicide Prevention Office and its incredibly difficult job. And how does the former coroner at the helm of the office plan to reduce Aotearoa's suicide rate? Laura Walters is a political reporter for newsroom.co.nz. Each year the coroner releases some provisional statistics. New figures show 685 people died by suicide in the year to June 30, compared with 668 the year before, an increase of 17 deaths. That's not the highest rate ever or the the largest number ever in New Zealand. So we did have um, quite high numbers back in the 80s and 90s and then in kind of the late 90s things started to go back down. And then once we hit kind of the mid-2000s, they started rising again. So a lot of people talk about our rates being at a historically high level. That's not actually correct, but they are the highest that they've been since the coroner started releasing those statistics. Driving the overall increase is a spike in the number of 15 to 24-year-olds taking their own lives and a large jump in the number of suicides in Māori and Pacific Islanders. The general population suicide rate is 13.93 per 100,000 people. For Māori, that goes up to 28.23. So that, that is significantly higher. And there have been some, some quite disturbing trends as well in the, in the past year or two where we've seen um, significant rise in the number of Māori women that are taking their own lives. So Māori men still take their own lives at a higher rate, but that the number of Māori women um, dying by suicide is rising. And we had a massive jump in the number of uh, Pacifica people who died by suicide this past year, so a 50% rise um, yeah, in, the, in the number of Pacifica suicides in the past year. There is no question that, uh, as a government, we have to put our all into turning that around. It is one of our biggest long-term challenges as a nation, not just as a government, as a nation. It's obviously really, really important to say that each of these numbers represents a, you know, a, a human life and, and that, that impacts families and, and whānau and, and communities and everything. But um, it's very fair to say that our rates are bad and they have been rising steadily um, in, in recent years and so obviously something needs to be done about that. How do New Zealand's rates compare to the rest of the world? We're definitely not doing well. But I think that we often hear a bit of misinformation around that. So we often hear that we are the worst for suicide in the OECD. And that's not actually true. We have the worst youth suicide rate in the OECD. And that's, you know, that's a horrific thing to be known for. But in terms of our general population rate, we kind of sit in the middle. We begin tonight with the mental health uh, system and the government's response to what has widely been described as a crisis. The government's response, as explicitly signalled before and during the election campaign, is a ministerial inquiry into mental health and addiction. What was that inquiry and what came from that response? So the inquiry was something that 
this government promised to do should it get into power. So the the previous government, I guess it's it's important to just go back a step, the previous government said, no, we're not going to have a national mental health and addictions inquiry. We know what's wrong and we just need to get on and fix it. Um, there are a lot of people in the community, a lot of advocates who said, well, you haven't fixed it so far, so maybe you actually don't know what to do. I think that we should all stop. We should regroup. We should listen to, to whānau, to families, to people with lived experience. Um, and the Labour Party ahead of the election campaigned a lot on mental health and they said if we're at the helm, if we get into government, we will do this inquiry and we will do it within our first 100 days. So it was a real priority for them. So as soon as they got into government, they launched that mental health and addictions inquiry. And then at the end of last year, the uh, the health minister was was handed the report from the inquiry. The health minister is promising there will be big change in the mental health sector following the release of the country's largest ever inquiry into the issue. And he was going to be responding to that in, in March this year. Like everything, it seems, in health under this government, it took a bit longer. Um, so in May, we got the government's response to that mental health and addictions inquiry. We have accepted their challenge, and you'll see that of the 40 recommendations that have been made, we have agreed or agreed in principle with 38 of those recommendations. They have asked us to fundamentally rethink how we treat mental health and addiction in New Zealand and how we respond to mental health and addiction. Obviously, this went far more broadly than, than specifically suicide. Um, it was looking at, at mental health, but within that were some, um, some specific recommendations around suicide prevention. Today, we deliver on two further key recommendations of He Ara Oranga, the report of the inquiry into mental health and addiction. And those two key recommendations were completing the suicide prevention strategy and establishing a suicide prevention office to provide sustained leadership in this area. Of course, that was backed as well by a really large investment in, in the budget. Can you take me through some of the money that was set aside for mental health, and, and where did that money go? So there was a massive spend in mental health in, in this year's budget. I mean, if, if you're going to look at the budget on the whole, you'd have to say this was the, the big winner was mental health. It was $1.9 billion dollars. But it's really important to remember that, that that the way that the wellbeing budget was written meant that that $1.9 billion spanned across a whole lot of different areas. So it also covered things like the inquiry into um, abuse and care. It covered a lot of things around um, housing, especially you know social housing. It covered some of the um, initiatives in the, the corrections sector um, in, in terms of dealing with people with mental health and, and corrections. So it, it spanned really broadly, but it's still a massive figure, and a lot of that went into into counselling, into setting up frontline services, um, things like that. And within that $1.9 billion, there was $40 million specifically allocated to suicide prevention. And now's probably a good time to bring up the point you raise in your article about this conflation between suicide and mental health. What, what, what are you saying there when you wrote about that? So I, I think sometimes we use the terms interchangeably. Um, we know that about half of all people who kill themselves have had recent um, contact or um, have, have dealt with mental health services and, and health services in some way. So 
yes, there are, you know, a, a large portion of people who die by suicide who do have mental health issues or have reached out because they were feeling, you know, some kind of mental distress and have interacted with the system. And so the, the fact that those people have asked for help, have been within the system and have still killed themselves is, is horrific. It's not OK. It's something we talk about a lot that shouldn't happen and needs to be done better. But that also leaves half of those people, half of those 685 people who killed themselves in the past year who didn't interact with mental health services because they do not have a mental health issue as it would be diagnosed. And so that 40 million that was set aside specifically to help reduce the suicide rate, how, what are they doing with that money? Yeah, so I think the the big thing that came out of this was obviously the the suicide prevention action plan, which is called Every Life Matters, um, and sorry that the strategy, which was called Every Life Matters, and then the action plan as to how that's going to be Im- implemented, and so that that will be looking at, at how that forty million dollars is spent, and it's things like setting up the the suicide prevention office, which at the moment is sitting within the Ministry of Health, and with a view to eventually move it out to you know, be an independent body. The first director of the new Suicide Prevention Office, Carla Nanakorn, is one of the country's longest-serving coroners. The office is responsible for implementing the government's Every Life Matters suicide prevention strategy, as well as providing better direction and leadership. Ms Nanakorn started the role on October the 21st. She's with us in the Wellington studio. at Marie. Morena. So what have you learned? As you say, she's still very much finding her feet in the role, but she did a series of media interviews quite quickly. Is that unusual? It really depends on who it is and what the ministry is, right? Like some are, some ministries are particularly um, risk-averse and media-averse and, and they don't like to put people up. But um, there was that, I think that really speaks to her strategy and her priorities. So when I asked her what her top priority was or, or you know, first first um, point of business for the role, she said that it was about communication. It was about um, starting a conversation with the country and having that more complex and nuanced and informed discussion. Often I feel like the, the conversations in the public domain aren't that well informed and there's a lot of emphasis on uh, the role you know, of mental health services, for example, but they're only part of the solution. So she said the first thing for her was to really be communicating, to to be starting that public discussion. So I think that kind of answers the question as to why she would be going out and doing these these media interviews straight off the bat. This office seems to have a very wide job. Does it feel like it's actually going to achieve anything? It's so hard to know at this stage. I mean, it would be really nice if it did. I mean, they're, they're kind of saying the right things at the moment, right? But I think that what is really, really important to note is that this doesn't differ very much from the last government's plan. You know, this this action plan and this office set up to implement this action plan runs on from the plan of the previous government, which was called the Suicide Prevention Strategy. It ran from 2006 to 2016. It also had an action plan in it from 2013 to 2016. Very similar 
similar. Um, it, it, it touched on a lot of the same things. It talks about research. It talks about promoting well-being. It talks about working with Māori. It talks about um, you know education programs. It, it's it's kind of it's a lot of the same things that we've known for a long time need to be addressed and need to be fixed. They haven't been. I mean, the, the difference now is we have this office. Um, it's a separate office. It has its own leadership. You hope that that would mean there'd be a little bit more focus, there'd be a little bit more accountability, and something might come of it. But I think right now it's just too early to say. The inquiry uh, recommended a medium-term target um, for suicide. But it would be unfair if we did not reflect what was contained in the report itself. In the report... The inquiry members said that views are mixed about establishing a suicide reduction target. What was the rationale for not taking on a target by the government when the recommendation was put forward by the inquiry? It's this idea that by putting a target on something to do with suicide implies that any death by suicide is okay. And what they're saying is... Our target should be an aspirational target. It should be that no one in New Zealand dies by suicide. Yes, that is a lovely idea. Yes, it is an aspirational target. Is it realistic? No. So the idea was, from the the Mental Health and Addictions Inquiry, was, look, let's put a reduction target on this. Then we can actually have some monitoring. We can have some accountability and we can know if things are working or if they're not and and where to change and what to look at. This government has just said, no, we can't do it. And I think that a lot of that comes from the voices of suicide bereaved. They went on to say, we also need to be clear in setting a medium-term suicide reduction target that in fact no suicide rate is acceptable. We should be aspiring to zero suicide. We agree with that sentiment. But then you do also have to weigh that up with um, the voices of people with lived experience, you know, and they, they might be saying, hey, we need more action in this area, we need more accountability. So that was a really difficult one for the government, I think. They obviously came out on that side. They said we couldn't signal, you know, that any any death by suicide was okay. But it, it, it leaves the question, okay, cool, so how do we measure this? You know, how, how do we hold this office? How do we hold um, Carla Nunakorn to account if the suicide rate doesn't drop? Because we haven't got a target on it. What does success look like? Right? You can say one fewer death is success, but really that's not good enough. Yeah. So what does success look like? Did Nakorn talk about that in the interview? What what she wanted to achieve in terms of target or in terms of set goals we will have succeeded if? I tr- I tried to talk about it. Um, I asked I asked her that repeatedly. Um, she rolled out the line that the you know the the government has um, been rolling out for a while, which is any death by suicide is uh, you know too many. And I said, yeah, that's great, but you and I both know that that isn't going to happen, and it's definitely not going to happen anytime soon. So so do you have a target? Do you have some? internal KPIs, right? Because maybe the government, it's too politically fraught to give you a target, but you can set them operationally yourself. And she said, no, I've just gotten in here. I don't have any KPIs. Tried to, you know, laugh it off. Um, And then she said, look, we do, for me, success is is dropping this rate, um, dropping the number of suicides, dropping the rate of suicides. But we know that that's not going to happen straight away. 
The suicide prevention strategy has had a, um, an interesting and, and rocky path to delivery. Mental health crusader Mike King has stepped down from his post on New Zealand's suicide prevention panel. The draft strategy turns up in my inbox and we have some some politically correct nonsense. Uh, a New Zealand in which all people are able to look forward, experience a life worth living and have pie order. Um, when I examined... Uh, this this document in greater detail. There is nothing fresh, new and exciting about it. And so he kind of um, threw his toys, got really angry about it and pulled out of the group and, and wrote a public letter and that kind of stalled the plan for a long time. The government did get Mike King back on site. He appeared next to Jacinda Ardern when she announced the Suicide Prevention Office. But there was another criticism. I think it's Mr Mark. I'm really extremely disappointed um, that there is no dedicated national strategy around Māori suicide prevention. Everyone kind of expected there would be quite a lot in there for Māori. And there was, but there wasn't a specific separate strategy or plan for Māori. And we saw Matthew Tukaki from the, the Māori Council on the day that the, the plan was released. He got really angry. He said that there should have been a, a separate strategy. You know, we were talking about those rates and how much higher they are for Māori. They're, they're incredibly high. And he said... A lot of our Māori organisations have been calling for a national suicide prevention strategy designed by Māori for Māori. Uh, and engaged with our Māori communities. And yet, for some reason, the Ministry of Health is not listening. There is some targeted funding in there. There will be a senior Māori advisor sitting within that suicide prevention office. And there will also be, um, you know, a, a promise, um, a commitment to to work with Māori to, to talk about those those kaupapa Māori services. But I think it's really important, you know, a lot, I talk to a lot of people who say, oh, the, the Ministry of Health, they set up the service and then they slap the kaupapa Māori label on it. Um, and we don't actually see that as, you know, a kaupapa Māori service. So it's really important they get that design right, you know, um, and they include people from the community in that. So there's not a separate... Māori strategy, some people are annoyed about it and some people think that, that this is enough and they kind of hit the balance right. The Minister of Health, David Clark, is in the Wellington studio with me now. Atta marie. Uh, kia ora, Susan. So do you see this as a partnership strategy or as a kaupapa Māori-led strategy? Uh, I do see this as a partnership strategy. It, it, it sits across the whole uh, of our suicide response and uh, it's there to empower um, others to come up with the resources at a local level, but also that's backed up by action. The mental health advocates, the, the Mental Health Foundation, those suicide bereaved you mentioned before, how hopeful are they that the plan is going to bring down the numbers? They, they are hopeful. They think that um, there, there is some energy around this, there's some leadership, they feel like there's going to be more accountability. I mean, they're, um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's hope, but they know that it's going to take a lot of work and they're not kind of counting their chickens. But um, what I've heard from people like, you know, within the Mental Health Foundation and some others, they think that... Um, Carla is the right person to have in that role. They think that she's strong. They think that she has the experience and the background and the mana and everything else that, that is, you know, makes her the right fit for the job. So in terms of leadership, they're pretty happy. Um, and I think that makes them hopeful about the, about the plan overall. But, of course, that, that does come with a bit of cynicism because, like I was saying earlier, we've heard a lot of this stuff before, but we haven't seen those numbers turn around. 
That's the detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. If you want help with any issues discussed in today's podcast, we've put a list of numbers you can call for help on rnz.co.nz and newsroom.co.nz. The detail is brought to you by Newsroom, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating, as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. Thanks to Newsroom's Laura Walters. Kakite anō.